Hello, and welcome to this episode of Surety Today. Surety Today is a live monthly call-in podcast presented by the Surety and Fidelity Law Group at Wright, Constable, and Skeen, located in the Mid-Atlantic region. Surety Today is offered to surety claims professionals and is designed to keep you informed about important issues in the industry. Here is your host, Michael Stover. Well, welcome everyone to this edition of Surety Today. My name is Mike Stover, and I'm a partner in the Surety and Fidelity Law Group here at Wright, Constable & Skeen in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm joined today by my special guest, Mr. Kurt Howard, a senior claims consultant and project manager with the Guardian Group. Say hello, Kurt. Hey, how's it going? Good. All right. Uh, as always, we like to open up our episodes with a big thank you to everyone for your support of Surety Today. We ask that you pass along our contact information to any colleagues who you think may be interested in calling in or checking out one of our podcasts. And I get probably a couple of these every week, uh, new people joining companies or whatever and, and asking to be put on the list. So uh, appreciate that. And uh, if you've got new folks or people transitioning into surety, uh, give, them, give them my contact and we'll get them on the list. Uh, we also ask that you like and or share our Surety Today posts on our social media platforms. Uh, when you do that, of course, then other surety folks that you're connected with can see and, and join in. Remember, you can listen to any one or all of our prior 73 episodes um, uh, of Surety Today anytime, anywhere from any one of our multiple platforms. We got the Surety Today page on our website, wcslaw.com. We've got, uh, we're at uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean. Just search for Surety Today. We have a microsite, suretytoday.net, that also has uh, the recordings. As of today, uh, when I checked, we had 7,581 downloads of, of our various podcasts, so, um, so that's a good uh, vehicle people are using. As always, uh, we, we mute the line during the presentation to avoid any background noise, and we'll unmute the line at the end for any questions. Uh, today's episode is on the initial project site visit, uh, but before we, we get started, I wanted to properly introduce our guest. As I mentioned, Kurt Howard is a senior claims consultant and project manager with the Guardian Group. Uh, he has over 25 years of experience in the surety industry, including 19 years with Guardian and six years as an in-house claims handler for a surety company. Uh, Kurt's experience includes virtually all aspects of contract and commercial uh, surety claims handling, and he also uh, has experience uh, managing the completion of projects. Uh, he also routinely provides litigation support, including document production, witness testimony, uh, attending arbitrations and mediations. Uh, he, he has a, a unique experience working on military projects and Native American projects, as well as uh, SBA insured bonds. Kurt is also experienced with SDI, subcontractor default insurance, in, including the claims management, recommendations, reviews, um, and meeting with the insureds and, and site evaluations involved with SDI as well. Kurt is a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania. He's an FAA licensed drone pilot, and uh, he serves on the Philadelphia Surety Claims Association Board of Directors with me. And uh, he has completed the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers NAFAC QC program and various uh, project, project uh, management courses. I've worked with Kurt in the past, and I can wholeheartedly recommend him. He's 
The one thing I remember most about Kurt is how fast he works. He really can get a long, detailed report done in, in virtually no time and plow through a mountain of documents like nothing. Um, so uh, be sure to look him up if you're in the need. Welcome, Kurt. Thank you. I appreciate the intro. Now, is that yeah, no problem. Now, as I, I mentioned, uh, the topic for today is uh, the, the initial project site visit. Depending on circumstances, the initial site visit can be extremely important to the surety and trying to get its arms around, you know, the nature and extent of the issues relating to the default and, and help the surety in planning uh, how to respond. So today we're going to cover three broad categories. Uh, first is preparing for the initial site visit. Uh, the second is the initial assessment. Uh, and then third is going a little deeper on, on some of these issues. So uh, as I mentioned, Kurt is an expert on this topic because you know over his 25 years in the business, he's conducted hundreds, if not thousands, of these visits. So uh, Kurt, get us started uh, on the first topic of preparing for the initial site visit. What do we got to do? First, I think the thing that's really important is you only have a two or three hour window when you're going to be at the site normally for that first site visit. So you want to prepare as much up front as you can. That means looking at the contract, looking at the scope of work, and looking at what the exclusions are. I mean, we've had cases where scope creep has literally happened in the first meeting in that they've introduced an unbonded contract to the bonded work. So get to know what is really your principal scope of work. Also review that pay application, see what percentages you're expecting to see complete there. If it's an electrical contractor and they've paid him for the rough-ins, when you get to the site, is he still doing rough-ins? Is he still putting the panels together? Or is he doing trim work? So there's stuff like that you really need to prepare up front for. If you have the last schedule, see where you are on the schedule, see how far behind it is, or if it's on schedule, see what milestones uh, are listed on this, the schedule and let's see if those milestones have been met. Uh, the next thing you want to do is you want to look at the special conditions of that contract. Is it a lead project, for instance, or is it a project that has historical significance that has guidelines for how that uh, is restored? Also, we had a project in Houston where it required very specialized exotic hardwoods that are very difficult to procure because there's only a handful of vendors that supply those woods. So look for things like that. And you also want to kind of look at the access to the site. Um, we've had projects for the NSA where they don't allow laborers or workers to have, uh, that are not American citizens or that have criminal records. And some trades, it's very difficult to find um, workers that don't have disorderly conducts or drunkenness in their history. So are we going to yeah, have a we, problem we, getting labor? Yeah, we've got a project now where, where it's, a, it's a Pentagon project, and, and, and you've got to have, you know, you've got to, be, you've got to be properly badged in order to go on site, and you've got to provide all that information up front. So if you're trying to go and do this initial site visit, then you've got to make sure that you know what kind of project you're dealing with so you can get all that taken care of and get and get onto the site without any problems. You don't want to show up and, and have to turn around and go back uh, on some of these uh, difficult access projects. Going back to the, you raised the issue of the historical significance and, and restoration requirements. Um, those are very important and, and you've got to really got to figure out what's involved with that, uh, particularly if you're talking about 
trying to determine, you know, is there going to be a completion contract or takeover uh, or tender situation? We had one uh, project that was um, the, the the Corps of Engineers, and you know how they have that little castle is their is their image. Uh, the, we had a project that was that building, and they were really particular about all the aspects of the restoration of that building, as you can imagine. So that can definitely be definitely be a problem, definitely something that you want to be aware of as you're preparing to go to the site. Uh, what are some other things on this topic of preparing, Kurt? Well, absolutely. You want to check with the owner if there's, you know, if you need to get badged, if there's a TS requirement and stuff like that, check with the owner up front so you get that taken care of before you get there. Can you take photographs? Obviously, the NSA says we don't want anything like looking like a camera even remotely near you. So that will hamper some of your site visit things. So you're going to have to make mental notes of what those things look like. Um, yeah, we had we had let me, we had in this military project at the Pentagon. They won't let you take pictures there. So the the we we had to get somebody who was authorized to take pictures, take the pictures, but then. They didn't produce them. I mean, we, we still are trying to get those photographs out of these people. So it, that can be a real problem. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating working with the, the military on some of this stuff when, you, you know, and you actually will say, look, this picture here will not have anything other than identifies this portion of the work, and it, you wouldn't know where it's at regardless. And they're like, no, we just don't want a camera back here. So you have to, you know, be aware of that and work around it when you can. But it's nice to know about it before you get to the site. So that's uh, another thing. Um, and finally, you know, I, I think when you prepare for a site visit, don't forget, you know, construction sites are very dangerous places, and, and your safety is really something to consider. You know, at, at minimum, have the, the required PPE for that site, which is usually a hard hat, a safety vest, and safety glasses. I like to wear the uh, Oakley uh, sunglasses with the wraparound, because if there's any welding going on, it really blocks the the possibility of getting a flash burn. Um, some sites require gloves. So you just got to figure, figure out what the PPE for that site is. Uh, obviously, if you're on a highway project and you don't have that safety vest, you're uh, really taking your life in your own hands there. Uh, if you're in a multi-story project and the elevator is not operational, you have to plan for that as well. Um, you're you know, probably going to be walking up quite a few flights of stairs for that day. Got to be in shape. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's one of those things where, you know, having the right shoes and having the right uh, clothes helps. It's just one of those, you know, you don't show up there. If you're on a site work and it's very muddy, you don't want to show up there in dress shoes necessarily. Yeah, it's not, not a suit and tie environment. Also, some of these projects, um, you know, they can be occupied, uh, you know, like I'm thinking particularly schools and you know, there's certain areas that you're not allowed to go and you can't just, you know, try to walk in the front door to get to get to the, the, the construction site of a school and the same with some other areas, office buildings and whatnot. So you got to be aware of where to go exactly, where's the construction entrance um, so you don't um, take any wrong turns to get somewhere you're not supposed to be. Absolutely. So that's the, the initial... Go ahead. Yeah, school, schools will require you to sign in and be with an escort the whole time. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of projects that, that do require escorts, uh, particularly yep. the military. So, so basically, the the you know the message here is 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 you don't just you don't just set up a time and show up. You really gotta you really gotta plan it out. You really gotta 
figure out what um, you know what what your plan of action is going to be when you're there. What are you trying to what are you trying to, to figure out? What are you trying to look for? And and so that initial preparing for the site visit is an important stage uh, of the site visit. And sometimes you know you can't get you can't get the documents, you can't get the contracts or the schedules uh, in advance, and you just got to make do do what you can uh, for that. So let's move on to the next um, topic we wanted to talk about, Kurt, which is sort of now it's the you know you're you're on the site now you're doing your initial assessment. Correct. And this is what's important is to remember here is that construction is not static. This is a very dynamic. Uh, environment. It's also a very holistic process. It relies on the whole project is the sum of all the things that are going on around it. So when you get there, you want to start looking at some things that may not particularly be the principles, uh, work, scope of work uh, per se, but will relate to it as far as where they are on the sequencing of the contract. Things like, is the building energized? Is it climatized? Is it watertight? Or is there missing windows and doors? So you want to get a feel where they are in the process here. If, are the rough-ins started? Are the rough-ins done? Is drywall up there? Uh, we've had a project where uh, it was a mechanical worker, and they were doing drywall before the mechanical rough-ins were finished. Uh, one of the reasons was the drywall contractor was getting a change order to go back and open up the drywall so he could do his work. Uh, so yeah. they were using us kind of a. We we had a we had sort of the opposite situation of your drywall situation. We had where the work was out of sequence, and and it was out of sequence because the GC was trying to meet various milestones with the owner and trying to show that it was you know that it was progressing the work. But what they did, they put up they put up the metal studs, and then they put up a bunch of uh, ductwork right next to it, and allowed about six inches to put up fire-rated drywall 30 feet in the air. I mean, you really you couldn't even get your hand or your arm up in there, let alone some way to fasten the drywall onto the the studs. It was a mess. And then the caulking and everything else work. too. Yeah, you wanna you wanna you wanna definitely be looking at the sequencing of the work. Uh, even though it's not your trade, see what else is going on because it can affect your trade. Correct. And you want to look at what trades are actually there working. Um, sometimes, you know, that really plays into, like you'll have a contractor come back later and say, oh, we were delayed by, you know, the electrician because he didn't have this done or he didn't have my units energized. And then you'll go in there and see that you know, the electrician, uh, or not the electrician, the, the mechanical guy may not even be there. So look at the, what trades are actually there. Look at what equipment is on the site. Uh, as far as equipment goes, um, if it's a rental that your principal has and he's been terminated, you want to contact that rental company and get that off site as soon as possible so you're not incurring a huge payment bond loss. Uh, if it is his equipment and he owns it, you may maybe take a picture of the VIN number, write down some VIN numbers so you can check for UCC filings. Um, you want to look at what other materials are on the site. Does the principal have um, all the fittings and stuff required to do his work on the site? And how are they protected? How are they secured? Are they just in boxes out in the rain or in a basement in the garage somewhere that aren't locked off so that they can walk off? I've, I mean, I've had stuff disappear from the site numerous times, including the as-built drawings, which one of the principal's former employees took in the hopes that he could blackmail everyone for the as-builts. Um, so do a rough inventory of what is actually there as far as equipment and materials. 
and how it's secured. That's really super important. A lot of times you'll find out that they've paid for materials that aren't even on the site. And you're going to have to, you know, go find that. If the principal still has them and it's not turning them over, that's a real, real issue. Um, yeah, we've, we've had that issue where the inventory or, or the materials that were purchased for the site were being stored off-site. And so, you know, as part of this process, when you're doing this initial visit, you need to figure out where the materials that have been paid for uh, are being stored if they're not on the site. And you're going to have to make a visit to those and make sure that they're secured wherever they are and also that they're segregated. And, you know, if you've got a failing principle, you're going to need to take possession of those uh, materials because they may, uh, they may, as Kurt says, they may walk off the job or walk out of the facility that they're in. But more importantly, they may be the subject of bankruptcy. So if a bankruptcy happens in your principal and, and the principal has a warehouse or is storing materials at a warehouse, you know, now all of a sudden these materials are property of the bankruptcy estate. And you've got a big problem with dealing with that and making sure that they're not sold. Uh, and then the surety's having to, you know, having to buy the same materials uh, again. So definitely in this initial assessment phase, uh, you need to figure out what the material situation is and where they are and are they protected and what can be done to protect them and segregate them if necessary. Absolutely. We had a project where the uh, building wasn't secured. It was open by the obligee. The principal had disappeared altogether at this point. And his subcontractors were going in there and removing equipment. And then they were turning around and filing payment bond claims for the stuff they removed. So it's really something that, to be very mindful of. It, the, the amount of material that walks from a construction site is amazing sometimes. Uh, another thing you kind of want to look at is, is the obligee or the owner supplementing the principal's work? If you see someone doing that kind of work, say electrical work, and we know that the principal is no longer in business, or, you know, it does affect, you know, defenses for the bond. He might, you know, he might have a, a supplementation of labor clause that he has to provide notice to the surety for. So it's another thing to, to keep in the back of your mind when you're doing this. Yeah, let's um, let's let's hold that off uh, the surety defenses for the next segment. But uh, one of the other things you you should be doing um, in addition to trying to figure out you know the level of completion and what work remains um, you know for the for the principal uh, now now at that at that site visit is the perfect time to reinforce your request for any information uh, documents that you're trying to get. You know, while you're standing there, you know, hey, give me a copy of the schedules. Where are the submittal logs? Where are the requests for information, you know, logs? All those kinds of documents that you're going to need to evaluate the project and the status of the project and the, and the nature of any claims that might be forthcoming. Uh, that's a good time to get the documents while you're standing right there with the people uh, involved and, 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 and make sure you can walk out if you can with them or make sure you got a commitment to get them to you. Um, so that this is next, also a time uh, to be issue. looking at that percentage of completion as well. Sometimes that's really far off, like 80% 80, 80 of the money has been paid out and they're still in like a rough-in phase. That shouldn't, that'll be really obvious. Um, so you right. want to well, the, the next phase we want to we wanna talk about with the site visits is, is we call it going deeper 
And, and so you're there, you're, you're making these observations and you're doing the things we were talking about. You've prepared, you've you know, done what you can there. Now you, you're, you're on site and you should be looking for evidence of, in, in my opinion, you should be looking for evidence of potential surety defenses. And, you know, Kurt mentioned one, which is overpayment, right? So if the, if the owner's GC walking around pointing out all this defective work that they paid for, well, <laughs> why are you paying for defective work? You're overpaying at that, at that point. And so that might be a possible defense. Um, uh, if, the, if the contract requires inspection of the work before payment can be made, you know, let's say they're installing pipe or something like that, uh, check for those inspections uh, certificates and in, 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 in those reports and see if they're actually doing that before they're making payment because if they're not, you don't know what you got. You know, until, until those inspections are done, you don't know what's there. And if they've already paid for it, that could be another potential defense for the owner. This is a, a perfect time, too, to remind them to, to produce notice of deficiencies because you, you're going to use those notice of deficiencies to start doing the scope of work for a relet. Um, uh, owner reps are fabulous for doing on this, uh, on this initial walkthrough. They'll go through and point at all these things that are obviously not correct. And then you get into the argument of what's latent and what's patent. And most of the things that they show you are patent. I mean, I know a lot of people that walk in there that aren't design professionals and say, uh, you know, these pipes don't match up. That's a problem, you know. And by the way, my untrained eye can see that. And how did you miss that? And why did you pay for it? So a lot of that comes up on this initial site visit um, that you want to definitely be, be aware of. Um, yeah, and, and, and one of the other potential defenses uh, can arise from the payment process. You know, is the, is the owner or GC, the obligee on the bond, are they uh, making payments to the principal in accordance with the contract? And if they're not, then that could be an, uh, an owner or GC default under the AIA A312 bond. That the definition of owner default is failing to pay in accordance with the terms of the contract. So you may have uh, a condition precedent there that's not being met and you can figure that out sometimes on that initial uh, initial site visit. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, another thing to be aware of is the owner reps like to show you damage the property. And that may not be a surety responsibility per se. It's probably covered under a CGL policy or a builder's risk policy. And you want to ask for those insurance certificates. Uh, I can tell you, though, in 25 years, I've only ever gotten a handful of them. That seems to be something that's just like, oh, well, we'll take care of that because you're not an insured party on the, on the certificate of insurance. And it's like, okay, but, you know, you, you need to take care of it. You need to make these notices now or you might be forfeiting coverage. Um, a lot of the yeah, And the surety can, surety can give notice. So the surety needs to figure out the status of that, of the insurance, and is it in force, and then who, who's the insurer, and then get the notices out if necessary, just to be safe, to make sure that, you know, if the principals drop the ball there, if the GC or the obligee, whoever it is, if they've dropped the ball, you want to make sure that that notice goes out to, to protect whatever rights there are under whatever policies there are. Absolutely. Uh, another thing is you want to look at the quality of the principal's subcontractor's work and whether they're worth ratifying and getting their names and stuff like that so you can start talking to them and get that process of ratification going if that's the route you're going to go. Uh, 
finding out their status, their contracts is not always the easiest when you're relying on on the uh, the principal's records. So usually you're yeah, and also payment, right? I mean, payment. That's exactly. a time, good time to try to figure out where uh, you know where the principal is on payments with these subs and try to forecast what kind of uh, uh, payment bond claims you're going to be looking at. Exactly. And you want to make sure that the percentage that their contract built out is close to what the owner has paid out. Um, right. That goes back to out. the overpayment issue. If they're, if they're way ahead paying for stuff that's not been done, then that may provide a potential defense for the surety. Exactly. And again, you, you come up with that issue of materials. If it's something like Thyssen Krupp and it's an elevator and that elevator is not on site, you need to figure out where you're going to put that elevator because I'm sure Thyssen Krupp is charging you storage for it. They don't make elevators and just store them for whenever you need them. It's a, a special you know, thing that's designed for that project, and they don't really carry extra inventory. So that's another thing you're trying to figure out as far as going. You know, is, you know, it goes back to like the hardwoods and stuff like that. What are the, the specialty items here, and where are they, and how do we get them? Um, that goes kind of back to that doing that inventory and that um, you know figuring out what's there, but just don't inventory you know the equipment and materials. Inventory what's in the the contractor, the principal's job trailer if you have a chance. A lot of times you know he'll have closeout documentation or or sets of plans that you can use, uh, different things like that. You want to find out if his permit's there and when that permit expires and whose actual name is on that permit. Uh, a lot of these. Um, principals, sometimes the smaller ones, use a, a straw contractor as the permit holder because they don't have the right license and stuff like that. So you may be paying that permit uh, holder to continue that license on. So that's one of the things you have to look at uh, pretty quick as well. Um, you want to kind of get a hold of... One of the things that you that you mentioned, uh, Kurt, was that it's, you know, the project's sort of a holistic thing. It, it it really, a lot of times what I, I found, and I, I'm interested to see if you find the same thing, that a lot of the problems on projects are, are relationship driven. Now you get a couple of knuckleheads who can't get along and they can literally poison the entire project. Have you seen that? Have you run into that? And how do you assess oh. that in that initial? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's almost like 60% of the cases are relationship driven where the parties just are talking each other or they're constantly fighting and you go, you go into the, the 312 meeting and the principal is like, or the first thing he wants to do is argue with the obligee. It's like, yeah, that you're about to be terminated. That may not be the best strategy forward here. You might want to find out how we solve this. Other times you go in there and they have a very cordial relationship and you know, you can salvage that default or that termination by saying, how many, you know, if it's a short thing with men getting men on the site and stuff like, how many men can you get here? Can you can you make progress? And you may be able to avoid a termination. Yeah, I think the you know the initial visit to the extent you're talking with the with the obligee, um, that's a, a good time to try to assess what what are the relationships here? What are you dealing with in terms of, you know, is this a reasonable obligee? Is this an unreasonable obligee? And, and that can go a long way towards deciding, well, what, what course of action you're going to take. You don't want to take over if you're going to be dealing with, you know, a terrible obligee that's going to be nitpicking everything all the way. You know, that, that, that's just a, a, going to be a problem. And, and so it's, it's important to try to get a sense of that if you can, 
talk to other people, find out what, what, uh, what they're dealing with on the project as well. Um, but that relationship uh, issue is something that, you know, it's intangible, but it really, you really got to try to make an effort to assess that because it can really have an impact on, on um, you know, on what the surety does next with responding to the default. And it's not just the principal itself, it's the principal staff. If he has a PM on the project, and, you know, the principal's going away, but the PM seems to be fairly knowledgeable and understands the project, he might be worth retaining. That's one of the things to look at. You kind of have to get a feel for what he's really doing, or he may be one of the problems, and we might want to get him off the project anyway. So right, you have right. to kind so of you, evaluate you, those relationships. Yeah, you were one of the things that, uh, that that you brought up in our in our discussions prior to this was that it's never too early to start thinking about a potential completion contractor, whether that's a takeover situation or a tender situation. Uh, what are some things that you can be doing on that initial site visit? In well, obviously show? in your document request, you should have requested the bidders list and to find out, you know, at least what the bid spread was, who the second bidder was, uh, who's qualified from that as well, or who the, you know, that they considered qualified at the time. You can ask the allergie who's around there. Um, they usually have contractors they work with all the time, especially if they're an outfit like Whiting Turner or Clark, where they deal with certain subs on other projects. Uh, another thing that I sometimes do is if I have the opportunity to drive around the area a little bit and look at similar projects, I will look at whose trucks are there and get the phone numbers off the trucks. Off. Like if it's an electrician, I might say, oh, there's an electrician who's doing a, a strip mall here near here. He might be a good one because he understands commercial work and he can probably be bonded, which is probably the underlying thing. You want someone that you can put on there that's not going to be a new problem. You want someone that, you know, ha is bondable and, you know, fairly well established. You know, you look at their websites, make sure that they've done similar type projects, make sure that this isn't their first year in business and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're up against the clock here, and, and, and I just uh, appreciate you uh, talking with us today, Kurt, and bringing your experience to the table. I think these initial site visits can really be an important step uh, for, for getting the information and, and laying the groundwork for your surety defenses, potentially, um, you know, if there are any. So, uh, again, thanks, Kurt, for, for uh, stepping oh, you're more in than for welcome. us. And um, so let me open up the line here and see. French is now in talk mode. All right, everybody. Um, we've opened up the line. If anybody has any questions for Kurt. Sometimes we get questions. Sometimes we don't. All right, sounds like from the silence, we're not getting questions. So let me close up here uh, uh, before um, we, we close off. Monday is our next uh, surety today on September 12th at 1230. Some upcoming events in the surety world, August 17th through the 19th, of course, is the ABA FSLC annual meeting, the redo from January, and uh, it's going to take place in Nashville. Um, I think uh, Cindy and Rich Pledger from our office will be there. Uh, September 7th and 9th, you've got the Perlman Conference out in Washington. 
September 21st through the 23rd, you've got the Northeast Surety Claims Conference held uh, this year in Atlantic City at the uh, Ocean Resort. And uh, we, uh, WCS, have been a longtime sponsor of that conference. And uh, uh, I think this, this will be the first in-person Northeast since uh, the pandemic started. And I'll be doing a presentation on um, uh, during that conference. So thank you, everyone, for, uh, for joining us today and uh, appreciate it and look forward to talking with you again uh, next month. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Surety Today. Audio recordings and white papers from prior episodes are available on the Surety Today page of the Wright, Constable, and Skeen website at wcslaw.com backslash surety-today.